Hey, Barry. Hey, Al. Why did the party ask if the diviner was feeling okay? Why? He was scrying. It's time for Compelled Duel. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Compelled Duel. I'm Al. And I'm Barry. And we are a single-player, co-DM'd Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition actual play podcast. Previously on Compelled Duel. You ever go through a divorce so nasty that it grants you a surprise around on each other in combat? Okay, let's all remember for a second that Defiance is a liar. Let's all remember that and internalize it and bring that perspective to the conversation. Lorelai? Leo? It's gonna be okay. You're gonna be okay. We're gonna be okay. Anyway, I'm not too keen on hanging out around here with a bunch of people that hate me. The captain can't get off the ship, but he neglected to mention that there's nothing stopping you or I from doing it. Ah, were we already done with drinks? I wanted to have a chat. Who did you kidnap? Uh, you. Well, I know you kidnapped me, jackass. I was there for it. She's my sister. What? Vice Admiral of the Australian Navy gets murdered on Zephyr Isle's land? That's an open gate for a full invasion fee. She can't die here. You are always so high up on your little pedestal with your nose in the air talking about the ultimate power of truth and how it's the greatest force in the universe, but... How strong was your marriage if it only took one little lie to make it implode? The proverbial wolves are at our door, my friends. And we are going to go to the powers that be and demand some fucking action. He looks back up at you and Sabine and breaks out into this crooked, rakish grin. It's time for us to do what we do best. Let's go cause some problems. Alright, so last time you all solidified a plan to try and sneak through the city of Pearlport to directly confront the conclave that runs the entire Zephyr Isles. I don't know if I would call that a plan. That would be a generous description. Fair enough. But regardless of how well thought out it was, uh, I will need everybody to make a group stealth check. So I'm going to roll for the captain and Sabine first. So the captain rolled a dirty 20 and Sabine rolled a 16. That'll be a 29 for Leo. All right. Uh, Most of the ship's officers are not going to come with you. So I'm just going to roll for the crew members that did generally. And I'm going to roll one stealth check for you. And one for Fee. Fee got a nine. You get six. And the rest of the crew, a nat 20 and two 18s. All right. You didn't even need my 29 to bring that average up. Nah, nah. It helped, though. Uh, That'll do it. (laughs) So I think what happens mechanically is Leo just is gone. No one can see Leo. 
as they're getting off the boat, you like trips over a loose board down on the dock and knocks into Fee. And Fee, because she is not used to the weight of her new shield, almost dives nose first into the docks. Leo takes a moment to savor how sweet being on this side of a good stealth check is, and from the shadows goes, Wow! (laughs) Well, given that all of the people that understood that reference are on a separate continent, the captain does shush you. Did you miss the memo where we're being quiet? No, but apparently both of our sisters did. Daggers, daggers, he stares at you. You all set off through the streets, largely unnoticed. I think enough of the crew know, like, weird side alleys that you can go down that you manage to get up to the Citadel relatively quickly. It is interesting. You saw the Mistborough Citadel, like this big, huge stone castle up on top of the mountain that Mistborough was built on. The Pearlport Citadel is much larger and there is a sprawling, like, campus of outbuildings around it. And you see a lot of people in the gray robes that you recognize as being the uniform of state service, just running around, doing errands. You see a bunch of acolytes, like, playing a rhythm game in a square. You see people sitting on benches talking. You get the impression that they're on breaks. It is a weird contrast from the limited interaction that you've had with state service members before where they were very not necessarily aloof and not necessarily not in touch with the people but like emotionally a step back and like very professional this is not that at all you just see a lot of people just going about their business and people seem pretty content A lot of people give weird looks to the group of you as you enter onto this campus and it becomes harder to be stealthy. You watch the captain duck his head away from people looking at him and just keep walking towards the Citadel. A few other members of the crew do that as well. You just barge into this big government building, unannounced. Yeah, this was a great plan. This was a great plan. Okay. I'm sticking very close to Fee. Fee is looking around, wide-eyed at just about everything. You all walk into the Citadel. Roll me perception. Well, I rolled a four, but it's a twelve. Yeah, that'll do it. It wasn't a high DC. You walk into this building. Immediately, the entire crew just, like, sticks to the wall of what is a huge circular chamber. You look down at the floor, and... There are carvings on this big, flat stone floor that immediately catch your eye. I look closer at it. I don't touch it. The floor of this chamber, not the entire floor, but like the middle of it, is absolutely a portal stone. I don't think anybody is stopping to give you exposition on that, but you watch as they just skirt the entire way around this stone to get through this chamber. Leo kind of elbows Fee in the side and goes, Well, damn, the captain was actually right about something. Shame that the key we had is gone. Fee raises an eyebrow at you and goes, Yeah, shame. I would do it again, and you know it. So this big chamber, it has a lot of archways in it and, like, sight lines to other rooms. 
Do you walk on the portal stone or are you also going around it? Oh, hell no, I'm going around it. Leo's smart enough to follow the lead of the people that have actually been here before. He's not going to walk over it if they're not. Everybody except you, Fee, and Sabine seems to know exactly where you're going. So they all circle around to a big archway that is directly across the room from where you came in. And it opens up into this long hallway with a bunch of people milling around in it. They all give you extremely strange looks, like more so than the people outside. Captain, are you still confident in your plan? Because, uh, you know, not that I ever was to begin with, but it seems like things are getting a little froggy. The captain has, like, stopped in this hallway. He nods to himself a couple times and he says, Right, yeah, why wouldn't I be confident? We're just about to charge into the meeting chamber of the conclave that runs everything in the Zephyr Isles. Just a whole room of people that have immense political power and dislike me personally. Why would I be anything other than 100% confident? And he just starts walking again. Take my fucking chances with defiance at this point. I follow him. (laughs) The hallway ends in a big pair of double doors. Unceremoniously, the crew open them. And the captain just walks in. Fee is definitely following. I assume you are also following. Leo stops at the nearest wall before he gets to the door and just slowly knocks his head against the stone a few times in exasperation, but then follows them in, yes? You all step through these doors. The hallway opens up into this big circular chamber. The first thing that strikes you is how many people are seated here. There are a few dozen young adult to absolutely fucking ancient stormfolk seated in these huge risers going up from the center of this room. They don't seem to be doing a focused task at the moment. You see people messing with paperwork. You see uh, a few people like chit-chatting in the risers. You walk into this open space between these seats It is resoundingly loud in this chamber. It has a bit of an echoing audio quality as the captain just claps once and then says, Legislators, a moment of your time. Can I roll stealth? (laughs) Yeah, go ahead. 16, I would like to hide. (laughs) Where? Under the risers, man. I don't know, but I have a feeling this is about to get bad, and I don't want to be in the middle of it. Let me let me roll something really quick. Okay. You manage to duck out of the way just before everything goes completely silent. You watch the captain's smile just go very strained, and he says, First of all, I appreciate your lenience in not having me arrested, given... Various charges. You notice that, like, the seating is arranged so the more, like, senior legislators, you would guess, are closer to the center and then people get younger as they go up. So one of the uh, people in this, like, middle row, this very, very old Stormfolk lady, says, Well, we just sent uh, those members of your crew that she used as messengers back down to tell you that we'd uh, agree to suspend charges while all of these are delivering news and the captain freezes oh my god doc and ascot are gonna get down there and we're gonna be gone 
Doc's gonna fucking kill him. <laughs> the captain, incredibly wrong-footed, says, Anderson! That fancy it? He turns around, he looks confused for a second, and then he gestures and he says, Ferrara, would you like to explain? And Fee also does a double take at the spot next to her where you were supposed to be to do negotiations, because this is the whole thing that Leo is good at. Well, now that I know that we're not going to be arrested, I'll come back out. I shuffle slowly sideways out from under the risers where I was hiding and just kind of wave at everybody. Can you make me just a flat charisma check? Five. The mood in the room is frosty. I'm sorry I fucked this up for all of us. I just thought that things were about to get really bad. Several people in the crew, including the captain and Sabine, all wince as the mood palpably declines as you shuffle guiltily out from under the risers. The captain very stiffly says, Belay that. Lairil, if you could explain what we're dealing with to the entire conclave. Leo straightens his breastplate a little bit, dusts himself off, tries to recover a bit of his dignity, and then takes a step forward. Esteemed legislators, thank you so much for your consideration, your mercy, I think, and your time. My name is Leoril Valsine. I am the Grand Duke of Australia. This is my sister, Ferrara, the Grand Duchess. I'm sure that you are all aware of the political situation happening off the coast of Vogvoldor right now with the Australian naval blockade. I have no doubts that this is impacting your nation as well in terms of trade routes being interrupted and commerce stalling. But that is not the issue I am here to speak with you about. This act of war is being wrongfully waged by my father as revenge for a Valduran incursion on Australian soil that happened well over a century ago. And it is being waged on the premise that my sister and I died on Valduran soil. As you can see, this is not the case. And it is our goal to get through the Australian blockade and back to Vogvoldor in order to stop this war before any more loss of life happens. You may be asking yourselves why you should get involved with this, and at face value, I agree, it doesn't seem like a good deal. However, I believe you should all be made aware of the fact that the Pirate Queen of Australia is in your city as we speak. As you've been talking, the atmosphere has been kind of bored. But as you say that, there are like several hushed exclamations and people start murmuring up in the seats. Leo nods and allows himself a little bit of a smirk because he's got him on the hook now. Furthermore, a little-known fact about Defiance, Pirate Queen of Australia, is that she is also Vice Admiral of the Australian Naval Special Forces. I have relatively little experience with the woman myself, but what little I do have leads me to believe that she and my father are working together because they share a common trait. Ambition. So, before you write off our request for aid, I think it would be beneficial for you all to ask yourselves. After my father has had his fill of blood in Vogvoldor, 
where will he go next? The Zephyr Isles are incredibly rich in resources and invaluable as a stop along trade routes. And under its current leadership, Australia is hungry. There's a moment where this inner ring of legislators talk amongst themselves for a second. And then the same older lady, she appears to be the oldest person on the conclave, so you would assume that's why she's speaking to you, says, Right? Even if that's all true, I'd like to point out to you, boy, that while you might not be old enough to remember the Valderan War, most of us here are. And I would point out that if we free up the Valderan War Machine from its current commitments up north, then where do you think they're going to go next? As far as I see, while the loss of life is lamentable, the best way to protect the Zephyr Oils is to let hunger for power cancel out. Again, no one on this conclave wants to see anyone die. Stormfolk, Asheri, and Vuldurn doesn't matter. But if we've got two nations thirsty for blood and economic advancement, then I say I'd rather they kill each other than us. And I say that that sounds like a sentiment from someone that is protected enough under the status quo that they don't want to dream of anything better. The so-called good of Australia has come at the price of the blood of her people for far too long now, and I can't let it stand. What my sister and I aim to do is stop this madness, take back power in our home, turn it into something better, and at that point, if the Valderan war machine is free and hungry again, would you rather not have somebody willing to stand beside you in order to make a change? This older lady straight up laughs. <laughs> and you expect us to lay down the lives of our people, to fix the problems of a foreign nation, on the word of a foreign diplomat, that things will be different if we do. That sounds like a reasonable decision to you, does it? All due respect, legislator, the lives of your people are already on the line and will be no matter what. The conflict in Vogvoldor is going to end one way or the other, and whoever is left standing at the end of it will still be hungry, and you and Tordun are the next people down on the food chain. Say they go for Tordun first, this whole process repeats itself. Whoever is left standing at the end will still be hungry, and where does that leave you? Stormfolk lives are already at risk. Would you rather them be risked in the name of building a world where this sort of thing doesn't happen over and over and over again, or would you just prefer them to be shoveled into the gaping maw of the next hungry tyrant? Roll persuasion. <gasps> Not 20! Not 20! 26! Not 20! <laughs> Leo fucking said he was good at this shit. He fucking said it. He's been telling them the whole time. <laughs> there is an unrest in this big gathering chamber. One person like near the top stands up and goes, "Hi!" and like pumps their fists in the air and then realizes that no one else is doing that and sits back down. There is a lot of murmuring in this room. This entire like first ring of 
older legislators make eye contact with each other and as one raise one hand and everything goes quiet. And then the same older lady that's been debating with you says, all right, you argue convincingly. We'll deliberate on it. And there is just crashing sounds of protest from up in the risers. There is pandemonium as people just start talking over each other. And this older lady louder says, we will deliberate on it. And the captain from behind you yells, you people are out of your fucking minds. All of the eyes of these older legislators snap to him. And this older lady says, well, thank you to keep your mouth shut about matters that you have no scope of, lad. And the captain snaps back. No scope, my ass. Moy sailors are the people dying. We won't stop with us, but it's certainly us now. This older legislator just says, Well, thank you not to hold this conclave accountable for the risks of your profession. And the captain just roars, People are dying! And this old lady immediately snaps back at him. Again, any loss of life is a tragedy, one that we would gladly prevent. But you're asking us to move hastily and accept the risk of further and longer lasting tragedies. And the captain takes like three steps up into this woman's face and just yells, I'm asking you to move it all. And then he spins on his heel and he stomps out. I'm going to roll persuasion for him really quick. <gasps> no way! No way! <laughs> no way! Every fucking time with this guy! Okay, so with Leo and the captain both having rolled nat 20s to persuasion, the conclave chamber erupts in chaos. Oh, well, that wasn't what we wanted to have happen. <laughs> it's what's happening, though. Uh, <laughs> like, genuinely, people are standing up and yelling. Sabine grabs you by the elbow and just says, All right, friends, uh, I think we should clear out while this is going on. She has you and Fee by the elbows and she is just towing you out. Yeah, yeah, we should, we should get out of here. Oh, Kimrel's bones, Sabine, what did we do? Sabine hisses through her teeth and just continues towing you out. Fee is going along after her. The rest of the crew is kind of slowly edging back out the door. As the entire conclave of the Zephyr Isles just starts having a full screaming match. As Sabine is dragging them out, Leo looks over at Fee and goes, Oh shit, did we just destabilize a government? Are we the bad guys? Fee gives you kind of a nervous laugh. It just goes, <laughs> only time will tell, I suppose. Fee, you get dragged out of this absolute pandemonium happening in the conclave chambers and back into the relative tranquility of this big hallway stretching down one wing of the citadel. Pretty much everybody on the crew looks freaked. Leo looks extremely nervous. Sabine looks tired. And the captain looks more upset than you've ever seen him as he is just brooding outside the door. As all of you kind of reorient yourselves, 
Leo looks back and forth between everybody gathered in your little group and goes, Okay, so we may have um, caused a little bit more upheaval than we meant to. I think what we should do is maybe look into using that literal actual portal that's in the middle of the foyer. The person that made the portal key that didn't work and sent us to Oskaya was a very capable artificer, but I have a lot of faith in glasses. He seems like a plucky kid. With the words, I have a lot of faith in glasses, he seems like a plucky kid, you have single-handedly talked me back out of the plan that you were trying to talk me into. With our luck, we'd get sent somewhere farther than Oskaya, somehow. And we have to finish what we started, I think. You bring up that point, and Leo gives you a nod like he agrees with you. Yeah, even though what we started may end up being... Really fucking bad. Okay. He runs a hand back through his hair and just starts pacing. You see Sabine go over and put a hand on the captain's shoulder and just squeeze. She leans in and whispers something into his ear, and you see him visibly, physically relax. The muffled sounds of arguing are still coming out of the conclave chambers. But from the other end of the hallway, echoing off this glowing stone that the citadel is carved out of, you hear, Oh, would you look what the tide washed in? And this old, old Stormfolk lady with a cane and snow-white hair that has opalescent flashes of pink and yellow comes hobbling down the hallway. The captain's face has been gravely concerned, but immediately softens. Had a few significant criminal charges following me that prevented me from coming back to visit Matron. Sorry. And this lady makes it up to him and just claps both hands around his face and kind of shakes his head a little bit. Still waiting to hear the details on those charges, by the way. Under his breath, Leo mumbles, I've heard the details. And then this old lady, still very much pinching the captain's cheeks and rattling him back and forth, goes, Oh, you don't come visit for three decades. Don't worry about it. I only fed you and clothed you and changed your diapers. He smiles down at this lady and goes, I'm sorry, I've been busy. Oh, you, you haven't met... Oh, you haven't met... And he kind of jerks a thumb over his shoulder at Sabine. My wife? And... He looks over at you, and his eyes widen a little bit. Ferrara? She grimaces, and she says, Well, I suppose you could say I'm his mistress, but I am dating her, too. This old, old lady smiles up at the captain and says, Good to see you're keeping it simple, lad. <laughs> and the captain just stares into the abyss for a second. Oi, keeping it so simple that, uh... I just devolved the entire conclave into a screaming match. Oh, cave is thunder. And he kind of pinches at the bridge of his nose for a second. It is good to see you, though. And he pulls her into a big hug and just squeezes her super tight. This older lady in her gray state service robes interacts with him in a way that is very motherly. She, like, holds him to her and pets his hair down and then pulls him back to look at him like a mom checking on her kid that's fallen down on the playground. And she sort of just goes up on her tiptoes, kisses him on the forehead, and turns around and keeps walking down the hallway.
around that time, people start coming out of the conclave chambers. It appears that they have called a recess because of the pandemonium that was happening in there. You see all of these legislators just pouring out into the hallway. And at that point, the captain zeroes in on somebody in the crowd and without saying anything to you, Sabine or Leo, just charges off across the hallway to talk to somebody. And you are left with your brother and Sabine just taking in the utter chaos that has just happened. Well, all in all, seems like the morning's been a success. That's debatable. I need some air. And Leo charges back down the hallway towards the front doors. Bye then. He puts up one middle finger over his shoulder and just keeps walking. Sabine, next to you, just fully puts her face in her hands and goes, <sighs> Yeah, that seems to be the consensus, yes. Dare I say, seconded. She kind of laughs into her hands and then raises back up to look at you. I mean, I've heard a lot of things about your brother, but he is remarkably well-spoken for being as much of an absolute little bastard as he is. And the captain, <laughs> well, she looks over further down the hallway at where the captain has grabbed one of the younger legislators around her arm and has hauled her off to talk, and he looks extremely convicted as he is talking to her. You see them in this very impassioned conversation where she says something, and then the captain replies and just slams a fist down into his open palm, like he is desperately trying to convince her of something. Next to you, Sabine smiles, but it's very sad. And she reaches down and squeezes at your hand. I don't think he knows how brave he is. I mean, the rest of the world knows it, obviously. He's a legend. But at the end of the day, when he tries to rest, when the mask comes off, he thinks he's still that scared little boy, running from a responsibility that he couldn't handle. You've seen it, right? I... <clears throat> yeah, I have. He doesn't understand. He doesn't understand how brave it is to have your whole world turn its back on you, and then to decide to save it regardless. And he doesn't even know the truth of things, doesn't know if the world's even worth saving. He doesn't care. He's going to save it anyway because he's the captain and that's what he does. What is that if not courage? <sighs> he breaks my heart, Fee. Over and over again, he breaks my heart. And he'll break yours, too. Because no matter what you do, he will never be able to see himself the way that you see him. Brave. Fee rakes a hand back through her hair. 
laughs to herself and says, Yeah, well, I'd be willing to lay money you thought the same thing about me once or twice. It didn't stop you from trying to show me the truth anyway. I didn't, actually. Seeing you now like this, it's honestly what I thought was always going to happen. Well, then, uh, that makes one of us. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. And that comes with its own set of things to untangle. That being said, I think I heard the captain say there was a library in here. I'm gonna go dig around and see what I can find. There's too many things that don't have connections. We need to find out what's holding all of this together so we can pull it apart. Does that make sense? As much as it usually does when you start uh, peeling back the layers of things. There's something we're not seeing. I'm gonna go try to crack it because that's all I can fucking do right now, I guess. He's gonna kiss her. She pulls you in and kisses you back and then takes a step back from you, nods, and sets off down the hallway. At that moment, into this Grand Citadel walks Doc with Ascot, Glasses, and Lorelei in tow. Leo, you watch her stop at one end of this hallway, point all the way down the hallway at the captain, and very loudly say, You! Yeah, Leo was on his way outside and just claps a hand over his mouth and quietly whispers, Uh-oh. The captain, just loud enough to be audible, says, Ah, shite. And Doc, again, very loudly, says, I am 307 years old, you little shit! I walk my old bones all the way down this mountain, only to be told, when I get to the ship, by Pelican of all people, that no, you've set off on some grand mission all the way back up. Should be ashamed of yourself. The captain just sighs, pinches the bridge of his nose, and says, Well, you're not going to be any happier with me when I update you on the rest of the situation. And Doc says, Aye, that's an entirely new set of affairs. She, like, marches up into the conversation that he's having, and he starts to update her. Ascot has his hair down for the first time ever that you've seen. He looks like he is, like, one step away from losing it. You watch him, like, consider it for just a second. He just considers for just a moment not getting back on the boat. And then he looks at you, gestures at Glasses and Lorelai, and says, Would you watch them? I need a drink. Yeah, sure. Hey, guys, how we doing? Lorelai says, I don't need to be watched. I'm not a baby. And Glasses from next door says, Aye, we're not babies. So how about I just hang out with you guys then? Would that be okay? You watch Lorelai's face screw up for a second, and she takes a long second to think about it, and she says, that would be fine. She looks after where Ascot has walked off now, and she says, he wouldn't let me stop to get my book, which is very weird of him. Ascot's weird. Don't know what to tell you, buddy. Can anybody point me toward a library? I... I think Sabine just headed off that way. She went, and Leo points. Yeah, Lorelai just walks off. And Glasses looks like he's gonna follow her for a second, and then tilts his head to the side, walks over to stand next to you, and says, And what are we doing, Mr. Lyra? We're just chillin', Glasses. I don't know what to tell you, man. 
I think you had like walked out a minute ago. She comes back in at that point, arm in arm with a teenage girl about her age. Late teens, Stormfolk girl, similar in color scheme and opalescence to like Pelican. She has a big cloud of dark hair that is just flashing rainbow colors in the light. Very dark skin, gray robes. You watch her duck her head as you says something, just smiling a little bit. And as they're walking in, Glasses turns back to you and he says, By any chance, do you happen to know Miss Lorelei's favorite color? Leo snaps his head around to look at Glasses and narrows his eyes. Why? By now, you and the girl on her arm have walked up, and in the smuggest tone of voice, you just absolutely crows. The lad's trying to make a gift for his little girlfriend. Glasses' head snaps around to look at her, and just very loudly in the middle of this chamber for everyone in it to hear, he says, She's not my girlfriend! Leave me alone! And the girl on you's arm says, Well, I think it's rather sweet. You looks at her like a little bit betrayed and says, Well, I'm sweet. That's a lie. This other girl uh, laughs very quietly, gets up on her tiptoes to kiss you on the cheek, and says, You're not, but I like that about you. You just blushes outrageously. (laughs) Her face almost turns green from how much blood has rushed to it and how much the opalescence in her skin is flashing with it. And this girl next to her just laughs again and says, Well, my break's over. I think she kind of, like, squeezes Yves' elbow and says, Don't leave without saying goodbye this time. You, still blushing, goes, Can't promise anything, I'm a very dangerous pirate. And this girl just goes, Oi, I bet. And then swans off. You just stands there and crosses her arms over her chest very deliberately and just looks at the floor. Hey, you, I don't think you're in any position to be roasting anybody about their girlfriend. Mutinously, you says, Oi, shut up. It's been a while since I've seen her as all. It's just, it, 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 And I think she just, like, if possible, crosses her arms tighter and, like, turtles into her shirt. Aw, that's so cute. Anyway, glasses, why do you need to know Lorelai's favorite color? Glasses kind of looks sideways and goes, well, and then he reaches into his pocket and he pulls out what appear to be like wax earplugs. He kind of fiddles with them a second and then holds them out and says, well, uh, Miss Lorelai and I were talking about mutation or how to make a bum. And she mentioned that loud noises make her a bit upset. And I said I could probably help with that. And I, uh, made these, and they have a silence spell on them, so, uh, so, so when explosions happen, she doesn't have to hear them. And I uh, thought I would maybe make them pretty for her, because she's pretty. Leo breaks out into a big, crooked smirk. Lorelai's favorite color is orange, and you have my blessing. I don't know what that means, but thank you. And then he stuffs the earplugs back in his pocket, and he says, Orange. All right, uh, I can do that. I can do that. He runs off. (laughs) He just runs. 
Leo watches him run off and then reaches down and twists at the ring around his finger and just to himself whispers, he's a good kid. You'd like him. You, not knowing the significance of that, says, all right, you're being weird. Lorelai's lift. Glasses doesn't know how to pick up girls. Just a normal day. Love makes shit weird, you. I think that you're able to figure that out. I suppose. Uh, roll inside for me really quick. Uh, 23. She looks a little sad and a little nervous. You okay? I'm fine. I just haven't seen her in a while, is all. Leo breaks out into a big shit-eating grin. Oh, don't look at me like that. If I offer you some advice, are you not going to be an asshole about it? Depends what the advice is. Does she make you happy? Well, yes, obviously. She tells the best jokes. And she blushes a little harder. And she's clever and all that. Then that's what you need to pursue. Just trust me on this. Holding on to the people that make you happy is pretty much the best thing that any of us can do. She is trying to glare a hole in the floor for a second. And then reluctantly, she says, If you're in the service, you can't get married to people that aren't. And I know we're too young for that, or whatever, but it- I was thinking about it, and I'd have to ask her to leave first, and I don't- I don't know if she would. Oh. That- that sucks, you. I'm really sorry. But I mean, given the current situation- we could all die tomorrow. So I think that maybe the best idea for all of us is to just take love where we can find it and not worry about whatever repercussions might come later. If you let fear of how everything could go wrong stop you from pursuing things that are good, then you're miserable either way. There is a long pause. And then you rakes a hand back through her hair, sighs, and says, I suppose you're right about that. And then she punches you in the arm super hard. Ow! Was this because I said that we could all die tomorrow? Because I get that that's kind of a weird pep talk to give a teenager, but ugh! It was a very weird pep talk. Not sure how I feel about it. But it was decent advice, so I'm just trying to keep you humble. She kind of gives you an awkward, like, side hug, <laughs> like one arm around your shoulders, and looks extremely uncomfortable about it, and then says, Thanks, uh, I've got a few things to look into while I'm here, so I'm gonna go do that, but good talk. And she gives you an awkward little thumbs up. Yeah, good talk. I think you might have done some muscle damage. Take somebody with you, okay? I don't know how things are going to shake out with the Conclave, and I want everybody safe. There's another pause, and then you, like, grabs the hilt of her sword on her back, and then says, I don't 
need backup. I'm allowed to worry. Go. She kind of wrinkles her nose and says, getting all mushy about it. She runs off. Leo watches her run off and kind of grins to himself. I'm cool with the teens. <laughs> I hate his ass. Fee, you are standing there just watching this chaos unfold around you after Sabine walks away. There are legislators pouring out of these chambers, talking amongst themselves. You notice some pretty heated arguments going down. A little further down the hallway, you see the captain finish up whatever conversation he was having with this younger legislator, looking really frustrated. He spins around on his heel and stomps off towards you and meets you at the end of the hallway. Uh, guessing that conversation was less than productive? I'd have had an easier time convincing a brick wall, but that's par for the course around here. Don't know why I expected anything any different. He takes his hat off and runs a hand back through his hair, and then looks around at your scattered party kind of hanging out. Where's Sabine? Uh, she said something about going off to put some things together in the library. Course, she did. For a moment, a lot of his frustration falls away, and there's just this fond little smile that stretches itself across his face. And then he nods at the passage out into the foyer. Right, well, I feel like we should go catch her up on the situation. You want to come with me? I would like nothing better. He reaches down and grabs your hand and starts tugging you out of the hallway and into the foyer. He's going to squeeze his hand and say, So, uh, are we good? I don't think any of us can describe ourselves as good right now, lass. But, uh, I am if you are. He smiles and squeezes his hand again and just says, I just... Uh, have been thinking a lot about what you said about taking sides, and needed to make sure that you knew that that's not what this is for me. Well, to be fair, when I said that, Sabine was trying to kill me. Which, thankfully, isn't the case anymore. But I understand that things are complicated, and how things play out in the end, assuming we don't all die, might not be as... Clear-cut as I typically like things to be. Few things are. Oi, I wish I could drink to that. Come on, lass. Let's go find Sabine. Okay, yeah, he's the one that knows where he's going. I'm gonna follow him. The captain leads you up a big spiral staircase and into another long hallway where there is a huge door that he just walks in without paying much mind to it. You are in a library that makes the Palace Library in Australia look like a joke. It is massive. You're actually standing up on a third floor of this library, looking down at a big floor full of tables far below you, and all of the walls are just completely lined with bookshelves. Oh, we're never going to get Sabine out of here. The captain wrinkles his nose and kind of bats a hand through the air. Ugh, they don't even have anything good in here. It's all trade manifests and philosophy texts. Yeah, philosophy texts and trade manifests that Sabine's not supposed to be looking at. 
She's never going to leave willingly. You've got me there. He laughs to himself again and leans over the railing of this third floor that you're on to look down at the floor of the library. And as you move up beside him, you see that Sabine is down there at one of the tables. She has set up something that looks like a scene out of Criminal Minds on this table. You see pieces of parchment. You don't quite see what's written on them from as high up as you are. She has a big pile of books on one corner of the table, a little box of pins at her side, and a ball of string that she has apparently gotten somewhere. And is just connecting all these dots between these pieces of paper and occasionally stopping to scribble at something and put another piece of paper down on the table that she puts a pin in and starts wrapping with string. She is fully absorbed. She does not see you guys up there. The captain braces his forearms on top of the railing and leans into it a little bit with that same fond smile on his face. <sighs> She's something, isn't she? <laughs> You could say that. He is just also smiling very fondly. She gets like this when things get bad. Starts looking for connections, trying to put the puzzles together. She always said it keeps her productive. Keeps her mind off things. And I don't know about productivity, but tell you what I think. Not that anything I think means much a consequence. I think that woman's hurting. She won't tell you, of course. She never even told me. Not really. Dodged all the right questions, gave all the right answers that sounded pretty and didn't mean shite. But you can see it, if you manage to get a look at her when she thinks you're not paying attention. She hurts. I think she hurts so bad that the heart is the only thing she trusts anymore. And she thinks that if she could just make it make sense, if she can figure out why, that it'll stop everything hurting so much. Well, <laughs> that's bullshit. He crosses his arms on the railing and takes a fleeting look back over his shoulder out at the area you just came in from where the conclave chambers are. I've always known exactly why everything that hurt me did it. And that didn't. <sighs> but she's beautiful. Putting all her little puzzles together, isn't she? She thinks that there's an answer to all of this and that she's going to be the one to find it. I don't know how much I believe in the first part, but... How can you look at her and not believe in the latter? Just a little bit. Well... If anyone could solve all this, I think it would have to be Sabine, by sheer force of stubbornness, if anything else. Fee kind of leans over on the railing, looks down at Sabine, still with that fond smile on her face, and then cuts her eyes sideways to the captain and says, We've both already acknowledged to each other that we're in love with her. I think we can admit that that is still the state of affairs, don't you? <sighs> I. It's hard not to. Trust me, I tried. <laughs> well, among the other things I've learned about you over the last couple months, I have noticed that you have a tendency to 
throw yourself into challenges, no matter how ill-advised. Well, that's an accurate assessment. He leans over and presses his forehead up against yours. Why do you think I'm standing here with you? And then he kisses you. He just smiles into the kiss and then pulls back and says, My, aren't we a trio? (laughs) This is a fucking mess. It'll be easier if you don't think about it so much. You're good at that. And then Fee leans in and kisses him again. You know, I think it says something about me psychologically that I'm only capable of falling in love with mean women. And he just turns around and walks away from you. Fee laughs. And then she starts heading down the library to go help Sabine. Sabine is a little frantic as she is pinning things to this table and scribbling on a paper. She doesn't notice you walk over for a second. And when she looks up and sees you there, she jumps a bit. Oh, hi. Um, do you mind moving that stack of papers over to the other table? I need space because I have this idea about the connection between the pirate operation and Australian naval movements. He smirks a little bit and she says, I'll do whatever you ask of me. Sabine is still just absorbed in whatever she's writing down on the paper in front of her and absentmindedly kind of waves a finger in the air. Uh, The captain hasn't killed anybody yet, right? Not unless he was very quick and quiet about it, which is not his style. Yeah, it's more quick and loud. We would have heard the carnage. Okay, good. I just hope that the legislators are able to get their thumbs out of their asses and we can get out of here as quickly as possible. I know he gets antsy when he comes home. Yeah, I've gotten that impression. (sighs) Well, if they won't help us, then we'll just have to figure something else out, I guess. I was actually formulating a little backup plan. I call it Operation Lure Defiance into International Waters, Kill Her and Take Her Boat. You know, I don't hate that plan, actually. I'm a genius. You can go ahead and say it. Fee leans in across the table and says, Now, if I told you you were a genius every time you did something smart, I'd never have time to say anything else. Flattery will get you everywhere, Ferrara. (sighs) I'm getting a headache looking at all this, though. I think I've found as many connections as I can. We should go check on the others. I think we should be sticking together. Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, So we can all keep an eye on each other and nobody does anything stupid, if nothing else. You watch your brother, I'll watch the captain, okay? Oh, I don't know if putting me in charge of not making impulsive decisions is a good idea. She just laughs and grabs your hand and leads you out of the library. Leo, there's not really much for you to do at the Citadel. Especially while the Conclave is on recess and not really discussing the issues that you have brought up. What are you choosing to occupy yourself with? I'm gonna hang out in the foyer and just look at the portal for a while. Not touching it still, but I'd like to just kind of look at it and see how it matches up with the one that we saw in Gimtarum and the one that we saw in Oskaya. Yeah, roll me an Arcana check. 21. Okay. Yeah, sure. It matches up pretty well with the portals that you saw in Gimtarum and Oskaya. Or at least it looks like it did at one point. 
it has very obviously been changed in some significant ways. Like a lot of the runes have been either worn away by time or like etched out. You get the feeling that it wouldn't be super functional if you tried it. It has now become somewhat of a ceremonial fixture for people that had a vested interest in not letting it be a functional portal. You get the feeling it wouldn't work if you tried it and that th things would probably go very bad if you did. Damn. Yeah, I've had my fill of portal accidents. I will not be pursuing this train of thought any longer. So true. Uh, so what are you doing? Uh, he probably saw Fee and the captain walk off, so he knows that she's got someone with her. He's gonna go try to find Lorelai. Okay, roll survival really quick. 14. You watch Lorelai run off in actually the same direction that Fee and the captain have gone off in. So you start heading down that way. Before you get to anything that looks like a library, which is what Lorelai said she was going to, out of the corner of your eye, in a big enclosed courtyard garden, you see a glint of metal and hear just a uh, of like rage. Oh no, I run in that direction. You come out into this courtyard and you see you is standing there with her arms crossed over her chest. Glasses is sitting on a bench, just kind of kicking his feet and trying to like subtly mess with the earplugs that he made earlier. And Lorelai Shakrana is standing there holding Yu's sword, which has sunk several inches into the ground where she tried to swing it and failed. And as you walk in, Yu, very unimpressed, just says, come on, you can do better than that. Get mad. Hey, guys, what are we doing? Leo inserts himself into the situation as quickly as possible. Lorelai, you should put that down. I don't want to put it down. You're teaching me to sword fight. And then she picks the sword back up again. She's not very strong, so her arms do wobble a little bit. And again, with just a... She tries to swing it again and just lodges it into a tree. <laughs> you goes, Oi, come on, you'll put bars in the blade. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, you're learning to sword fight. This is... Oh, this is awesome. I am responsible for you now. Okay. Lorelai, did you know that glasses made you a present? Lorelai stops where she's trying to get the sword back out of this tree and looks past you at Glasses and tilts her head. Glasses is blushing oh so furiously, <laughs> and Lorelai blinks outlishly and goes, <laughs> You made me a present? Yeah, he did. You should put the sword down and go get it. You, can I talk to you for a second? You kind of gives you a confused look and says, I, sure. And Lorelai zooms over to the bench with glasses and sits down. And you and you walk off. Leo pulls her around a corner, around a bush, something, so that they are out of line of sight and hopefully out of earshot of Lorelai and glasses. Okay, look, I get that you are probably well-intentioned in this, but... Uh, um... Have you ever met a sorcerer other than Fee before? You kind of squints and says, Aye, there were a couple in my year as acolytes. I'm not sure how much you know about how sorcery works, but their powers are tied pretty intrinsically to their feelings. 
Lorelai has really big feelings and really, really big powers that go with them. And it's been a really hard thing for her her whole life to keep them in check. So telling her to get mad about things is not as beneficial as you think it is. There is a long pause, and you gives you a look like she thinks you're extremely dumb, and then she says, I, as someone whose powers are also tied to my feelings, I understand what you're saying. I've known the girl for two days, and even I can tell she's already mad. Obviously she's mad. Her brother's dead. She doesn't know what's happened to her parents. And she can't do a damn thing about it because an entire government wants her head on a pike. You'd be mad too. And I just think that it's better to try and help her work it out than to expect her to bottle it up all the time for the comfort of other people. I... (sighs) Yeah, yeah, you're right. Of course she's angry. She's got every right to be angry. Just be careful, okay? I was very close with Lorelai's brother and her entire family, and I cannot lose her. So just be careful. If she's trying to stomp down parts of herself for fear of upsetting you, I think that's just a slower way of losing her. You and I are just going back and forth with the good advice today, aren't we? I, you're as worldly as an 85-year-old girl. Good for you. Yeah, good for me. Have you seen my sister anywhere? You rolls her eyes and says, I, she and the captain went into the library after their girlfriend, so either they're doing very important research or they're being gross. And speaking of girlfriends, Yu's girlfriend ducks into the courtyard with a little wave, bounces over, and again gets up on her toes a little bit. She doesn't need to. She's taller than you is, but she does it anyway to kiss her on the cheek. And then she says, So I got those records you wanted to look into. And I picked up a few foils that uh, seemed related. I figured you'd want the full picture if you're asking questions. You kind of looks at her and then looks over at you, like nervously. Right. Thank you for that, love. And takes the files and gingerly just puts them down on a bush. <laughs> Like, they are a loaded bomb. And then I think she just kind of, like, wraps both arms around her girlfriend and, like, twirls her a little bit. And then puts her down, picks the files back up, and then yells, Lorelai, I'm going to tell you what you're doing wrong with your stance there. You watch her, like, take one hand down from one of her ears with an earplug between her fingers. And the other one, just fluorescently orange, is in her other ear. And she goes, right, learning how to hit stuff. That's what we were doing. She has gone extremely blue in the face, and she hops up from this bench where Glasses is also blushing furiously still, and runs over and tries to rip the sword out of the tree again. Have fun hitting stuff, Lorelai. She was facing you enough to catch that, so still with the earplugs in her ears too loudly, she yells back, I will! I'm gonna ask Yu's girlfriend for directions to the library and go try to find Fee. Yeah, she'll lead you to the library, no problem. Fee is walking out of the library, arm in arm with Sabine. Ah, you was right. You were in here being gross. Cool, I wanted to talk to you for a second, is that okay? What do you mean being gross? Sure, let's talk. Leo gives Fee a very smug grin 
nods at Sabine and then pulls her off to talk to her for a second. So, I've been thinking about what we can do while we're waiting on the Conclave, and I think it would behoove us to try to get as much of a tactical advantage on the situation as possible. Right, that sounds like a good idea, but I don't always trust it when things that you say sound like good ideas. <laughs> Fuck you. Anyway, I think we should head somewhere a little out of the way. I can do the whole scrying thing, and I think... Leo looks back and forth to make sure nobody's listening. I think checking on Defiance to see what she's up to might be a good idea. Phoebe straightens her posture a little bit, reaches back to kind of tuck her hair behind her horns, and goes, Right, that's... yeah, that's a good idea. Uh, how are we going to do that? It's an interesting process. Come with me. Uh, okay. You start walking away. Fee, like, pauses to wave reassuringly at Sabine and kind of, like, wave her off, then follows you. I think we should fully go outside the Citadel for this. I've had bad experiences with dropping knowledge of my magical prowess in front of large amounts of people before, especially powerful people. You have to go pretty far from, like, the main Citadel building to get off campus. Like I said, a lot of the buildings around the Citadel are also state service allocated buildings. So you have to go like a couple blocks down the street. Okay, I'm gonna do that lead fee with me and just try to duck into the first alley that I find once we get off campus and take out the crystal ball. Okay, so basically what I do is I take this and I try to put a bead on whoever I'm looking for magically. It was easier with Father, obviously, I'm more familiar with him, and I have this, and Leo kind of waves his signet ring. Right, um, can I do anything to help? I mean, I'm familiar with Defiance, but- That's why I brought you out here, actually. I'm not sure if I'll be able to pull any power off of you, but it's worth a shot, right? Fee looks like she's doing magic math in her head for a second. And then she nods and she says, yeah, it's worth a shot. I'm sure it's fine. Worst case scenario is the crystal ball blows up and kills both of us, I guess. Oh, that that's a fun worst case scenario. I'm not even sure if that would happen. I'm not a wizard. Oh, so we're dealing with a total unknown. This is, this is getting more reassuring by the second. Welcome to being a cleric. Leo pulls Kimrel's blade out of his belt and casts scrying, and do we need to roll anything to see if he's able to use Fee's familiarity with her to help? Yeah, roll me an arcana check. No whammies, no whammies. Eleven. Okay, it, it, that's not gonna do it. <laughs> it was a good idea, but it ain't gonna work. Um, so I'm gonna roll a whiz save for defiance. She gets plus 12 to whiz save, so that's a 23. Well, shit. Leo's just staring into the crystal ball, clenching his hand around the knife, and shakes his head. Oh, damn it. I'm trying, I just... I can't pin her down. From behind you, a voice says, Better men than you have tried, your highness. Shit. 
you turn around and you see a jade green, willowy, infernal elf woman with big spiraling horns, arms crossed, leaning against the side of a building behind you in this alleyway. Leo freezes where he is and just moves his eyes over to Fee and goes, Don't let me have ideas anymore, okay? Fee, you and your brother are standing in this dead-end alleyway with Defiance blocking the exit. She grins over at you with that big, hungry smile and says, Took you too long enough in there. Anyway, I just dropped by to get you caught up on the situation, let you know how things are going to go. You're both coming with me. You know, I understand that confidence is important, but there's more to making something happen than just saying it over and over again. Oh, I think you misunderstand the situation here, Grand Duchess. I wasn't asking. Leo tucks his crystal ball back into his bag and laughs at her. (laughs) Okay. I think you're ignoring the part where it's two on one, and I think we can take you. Her smile widens into something absolutely vicious. Oh no, see, beside the fact that I could absolutely crush you if I had half a mind to... Your sister and I already covered in a previous conversation that it's a bad idea if I go missing in the Zephyr Isles. You know, what with the massive Australian invading force that would come as a result of that. And besides, I don't really care what you want to do as far as getting on board, if you will. You see, I've had this really good grand entrance planned where I sail back past the blockade with your head swinging off the bowsprit. But, Grand Duchess, you are going to walk onto my ship willingly. (laughs) Vice Admiral, assuming that I did walk onto your ship, you wouldn't like what happened next. And that's a pretty big if, because why would I do that? Oh, that's an easy answer. Because I'm done playing around. And if you don't, I will kill every man, woman, and child standing between me and you. And I think you've just got too big of a heart to let that happen. Don't worry about it. We all have our flaws. Well, if that's the game you want to play... Fee steps forward, one hand just absolutely crackling with electricity. Why don't we take this somewhere that there's no one between us? A couple reasons, actually. I did promise your father that I would return you in pristine condition. And, you know, (laughs) that just wouldn't be fun. Then I suppose we're at a stalemate, and you can run off and tell my father that like a good little errand girl. I don't think I'm going to be making that report just yet. She straightens up from where she's been leaning against the wall of this building and just runs a thumb over the hilt of her sword where it's at her belt. I've done my due diligence, given you two the terms. 
I'll give you a little bit to think it over, but don't say I didn't warn you. Enjoy your useless political posturing. Things are about to get a lot more entertaining. And she pivots on her heel and walks off. Leo, from next to you, goes, Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. Uh, aside from the fact that I really don't like the prospect of my head swinging from a bowsprit, you know, I feel like she'd probably tie me up by my hair and that would look really bad. Shit is about to pop off. We need to go find the captain and Sabine now. Fee pauses for a second and just looks after where Defiance has walked off, still with one hand up, and then closes it, puts it down at her side and goes, Right, yes, we need to all discuss this. Shit. God, she's the worst. Yeah, no argument. Let's go. And without further discussion, the two of you book it. Back for the Citadel. Uh, hey, Leo, remind me what your armor class is. <laughs> Fucking uh-oh, it's 16, why? Okay. So that's not gonna hit. You walk back into the Citadel, and missing by one point... <laughs> A fist just goes flying past your face. Ah! Leo ducks. Standing in front of you, the captain looks absolutely fucking furious. And as you duck, just very loudly, he says, You told her. The one thing I asked you not to do. Told who what? What are you talking about, man? He is going to try and punch you again. That's not going to hit either. Um... <laughs> Leo ducks again. From behind him, you see you. Uh, roll insight. Eleven. You looks like she has been crying, which is also not a common sight. As the captain goes in for the second punch, she yells, Nobody needed to tell me anything. I'm capable of basic deductive reasoning, you jackass. Oh, fuck. From next to you, Fee goes, whoa, everybody, can everybody settle down? What's going on? What's going on is I concur with you. The captain's a jackass. He whips back around to glare at the captain. Fuck you for thinking I'd betray your confidence like that. I think you're an insufferable moron, but you're also my friend. I wouldn't do that to you. The captain, like, brings a hand up to fist in his hair, and before he can say anything, you just lets out this bitter laugh. And goes, you really can't take responsibility for any of the situation, can you? The captain whips back around to look at her and goes, all I've been doing from day one is trying to take responsibility for this. And you just yells back. You know, I actually thought that you just wanted me around for me. I actually believed that you just thought I would be good to have around. But no, I should have known. It wasn't about me at all. It was all about your guilty fucking conscience. And she storms off. <laughs> she storms right out of the Citadel. Oh, I'm running after her. She can't go outside alone right now. From behind you, Fee again says, What the fuck is going on? Leo's still running. Over his shoulder, he yells, Captain, you catch her up. Fee, you catch him up. I'm gonna go stop you before she gets outside. 
Yu's speed is actually 10 more feet than yours. You're going to have to dash if you want to catch up to her. Cunning action, buddy. I double dash. Okay, absolutely. You manage to catch her, like, right before she gets out the door. Leo just runs up and grabs her by the back of the vest and pulls her back. Listen, I know you are upset, but you cannot go out there right now. Okay, so she's going to try and punch you now. Yeah, she rolled an 18 on the die and she gets plus 9, so a 27 is absolutely going to hit your armor class. You take uh, 6 bludgeoning damage as you just whips around and, like, ducks through your grip on the back of her shirt to just sock you right in the mouth. Oh, God, ow. Yeah, I deserved that. Leo wipes the blood off of his lips and goes to try to grab you by the wrist to keep her from running off again. Listen, I get it. You are angry. You have every right to be angry right now. But Defiance is out there. And by out there, I mean within a block. You cannot go out there right now, especially not alone. You, uh, her eyes still extremely puffy. She has obviously been crying, like you would say, within the last five minutes. Opens her mouth like she's gonna say something, and then stops, and her eyebrows furrow, and she says, What? That's what Fee's back there telling the captain right now. We took a little walk to try to handle some spell work that I was gonna do, and she cornered us in an alley. And things are about to get very, very bad. Trust me, you, I get it. The instinct to run away when you find out that your whole life has been a lie is a powerful one. I have given into it before, but we need to stick together right now. She opens her mouth, closes it, stammers for a second. She just brings, like, the back of her hand up to her mouth and just starts sobbing. Yeah, she's a little shorter than Leo, so it's not going to be a problem for him to just get an arm around her shoulder and shepherd her off, try to find someplace private to sit her down. Yeah, she goes with you uncharacteristically compliantly. <laughs> you find, like, a bench in a room off the foyer. She is just fucking losing it. She has had a very bad day. <laughs> Leo's going to sit there with her and offer whatever support she needs. He doesn't want to be too forward and, like, hug her or anything in case she doesn't want that. But he's going to sit with her until she's able to calm down. She just, like, curls in on herself and buries her face in her hands. After a minute, she just... <sighs> It's been 20 years, and he could have told me any time, and he just, just decided not to. He was deathly afraid that you were going to hate him, if you knew. I know that doesn't fix anything, and it doesn't lessen the blow, but he didn't keep that information from you out of disregard or malice. He was really, really afraid. That matters. He's a grown ass man and I'm a damn kid. I left everything behind for for a lie. I <sighs> What did he say to convince you to come with him? I <sighs> He'd been back to the Citadel a few times when I was a kid, he said. Said I was impressive. Said I... Said I knew how to take charge. And he admired that. And 
wanted to take me under his wing. Because I was just that fucking special and I don't know why I believed it. I'm such an idiot. For what it's worth, he said all of those things about you to me. And there wasn't anybody else around. Was it really a lie? The circumstances suck, you. They do. And it's something that it's probably going to take you and the captain a really long time to unpack. Rebuilding trust when someone breaks it is one of the hardest things in the world. So... It's understandable if you can't trust him right now. So trust me, your brother loves you. It's not about responsibility. It's not about his guilty conscience. He loves you. And with the world going as absolutely batshit as it is, we need to find the people that we love and hold on to them. There is a long moment of silence. And you just kind of reaches up and rubs at her eyes and sniffles again. And goes, I don't want to talk about this anymore. You don't have to. But I need you to promise me that you're not going to run off. Because it is way too dangerous for any of us to be out there alone right now. Can I get you anything? Anybody? Do you want me to go find glasses? Lorelai? Your girlfriend? I don't know. No, I want to be alone. Okay, just hang out here for a bit, okay? I'll be back to check on you. And I'm gonna get up and go try to find Sabine, because she's the only person that hasn't been caught up on this, that is somewhat in charge of the rest of us, I think. Go ahead and roll survival. 21. Sabine is back in the library again. Okay, going in, grabbing her, pulling her to the side. You grab Sabine by the arm. She has leaned over a table, sorting out documents and rolling up a bowl of string. She lets out just a squawk as you grab her. She did not see you coming. You pull her away and she gets her bearings and then immediately just goes, Oh, what did he do? Uh, tried to throw a couple haymakers at me, actually, but that's not the issue at hand here. We have a defiance problem in extremely close proximity. Oh, shit. Fee's catching up the captain right now. I I wanted to drop a scrying spell on her, see if we could find out what she's up to while we're waiting on all of this conclave bullshit. And she just showed up in the alley where we were, threatened some very explicit forms of corpse mutilation, to me specifically, and told us both that if we did not go get on her ship with her post-haste, that things were going to get extremely violent. Yeah, that all sounds pretty par for the course for Defiance. Okay, we need to regroup. Um, I don't think we should be here. There are... She grimaces and, like, flinches a little bit, and she goes, There are kids in this building, and Defiance doesn't have a lot of compunctions about that. We should go. I think the safest place we can be where we're not putting anyone else in danger is probably back on the ship, right? At least there we've got cannons, it's a defensible position. We can fuck off into the harbor if we have to. Yeah, that's probably our best bet. If nothing else, if anybody tries to come up the ship after us, then we can at least bottleneck them on the gangplank. <sighs> yeah, um, do you know where Glasses and Lorelai are? I'm gonna gather them up. I'm gonna go find them. The captain and Fear in the foyer, use in a room off to the left. See if you can track down Doc and the rest of them. Right, got it. Uh, what's our crisis deadline? 
how long do all of us wait before we just get out of here and hope that everyone else makes it out okay. Leo's eyebrows furrow and he frowns at her. Everybody is getting out okay. We're not doing math like that, Sabine. She gives you kind of an affronted look and she says, Oh, don't make me out to be the asshole for trying to think realistically. This is not the first time I've had to make this decision. She shakes her head and she says, 20 minutes. If I'm not in the foyer in 20 minutes with Doc, Ascot, and the rest of the crew, then you drag Fee and the captain out of there by their shirts if you have to. Fine, sure, good luck. I'll see you in a bit. See you. And she walks off. I'm running back to the courtyard where I last saw Glasses and Lorelei. The courtyard that you saw Glasses and Lorelei in is not very far away from the library. They are actually, in fact, still on the same bench that they were earlier. <laughs> Lorelai still has used sword, and she's holding the pommel of it in one hand and a book in the other. She and Glasses are sitting very close together. As you walk into the courtyard, Glasses looks up at you, and then he just elbows Lorelai in the side, and her head shoots up from her book. Leo ducks behind a tree or a pillar or something really quick and just takes a deep, shuddering breath to try to calm himself down and not look like he is physically upset or afraid. I'll roll deception if I have to. And you do have to, yes. 14. Okay, I'm gonna roll insight for Lorelai and Glasses. So Glasses got a 13, Lorelai got a 14 exactly. Leo comes back out and walks up to them, trying really hard to keep his composure. Hey, you guys, we are getting ready to leave, so you should pack up whatever it is you're doing, because I think we're headed back to the ship, okay? Glasses just goes, oh, all right. He had, like, his little artificer's tools out, and he was, like, messing with something in his lap, and he starts packing things up. Lorelai tilts her head a little bit and her eyebrows furrow, and you watch her grip tighten on the pommel of Yu's sword for just a second. She looks at glasses out of the corner of her eye, and you watch her jaw set, and she says, Okay, uh, yeah, let's go. And she closes her book with a snap. Leo puts a hand on her shoulder and squeezes super tight and is just piloting her down through the hallway as soon as glasses gets all his stuff together to come with them. You all gather back in the foyer. Fee and the captain are talking in very hushed tones to each other. You see that they are squeezing each other's hands super tight, but they both shoot up to their feet as soon as you get in. You is not there, Sabine is not there, and Ascot, Doc, and the rest of the crew are not there. Shit. And then Leo remembers that he is still standing directly next to Lorelai, and takes his hand off her shoulder and tries to fucking keep it together again. I'm gonna walk over to Fee and the captain. Hey, sorry to interrupt. You two haven't seen Sabine, have you? Fee frowns. She goes, uh, not yet. I thought you were going to get her. I did, and we put our heads together, decided that our best course of action was going to be to get back down to the ship as quickly as possible, to have some kind of defensible position that won't have a huge amount of collateral damage for Defiance to be able to take. She said that if she wasn't here in 20 minutes, we had to leave without her. You watch the captain just grit his teeth, 
And he goes, and how long ago was that? About 15 minutes ago. Well, we'll give her 10. No, we won't. Nobody's leaving anybody. Do either of you know something that Sabine would definitely have on her right now? Fee's eyebrows for a little bit, and she, like, raises her hands, does kind of a schling-schling motion. Uh, her bells. I haven't looked at those enough to remember what they look like. It has to be something I can visualize. There is a pause. And then the captain says, Well, here's hoping. He pulls the wedding ring off of his hand. It looks like this? Yes, exactly. Ah, we bought him at the same time, from the same person. I cast Locate Object on Sabine's wedding ring. If she's within a thousand feet in any direction, I know where she is. Yeah, Sabine is within a thousand feet, or at least her wedding ring is, and approaching fast. (sighs) Okay, thank Kimrel, she's coming. Fee and the captain both visibly sigh in relief. I go grab you and tell her that we're getting the hell out of Dodge. As you are dragging her back into the foyer, with a jingle and a muffled curse, Sabine comes skidding down the marble floors into the foyer. Behind her, you see Doc, you see Ascot, you see the other members of the crew that came along to the Citadel with you. Right, just on time. Let's go. There are faster ways that you could get down this mountain. You see a big winding thoroughfare and what looks to be a cable car of some sort that's running from the Citadel all the way down to the docks. But the captain brings up the fact that it might be better for you all to stay out of sight. So you end up taking the long way back to the docks. The setting sun is illuminating the glowing stone of Pearlport as you wind your way through all of these back alleys and secret passageways, and it is fully dark by the time you make your way back through the streets and out of the main gates of the city down onto the docks. The atmosphere is tense. Fee, as you're walking, you notice that Leo has his head on a swivel and a hand on his knife and the other on Lorelai's shoulder. Sabine is hypervigilant. The captain looks conflicted about what he should be worried about, but he caught you up on that whole situation. And you is just sticking close to the back of the pack, adjusting the harness that's holding her sword on her back, looking with kind of a thousand-yard stare at everybody out in front of her. You emerge onto the docks as the stars start to come out through the scattered storm clouds overhead. You hear a couple rumbles of thunder, and off over the horizon you see a couple flashes of Kiva's mantle, like a storm is getting ready to move in. Sabine looks around sharply for a couple seconds, and then sighs in relief. (sighs) Okay, so it looks like we're at least ahead of her in this respect. The captain nods, looks out across the deck where scattered ships are still coming in, going up to more at the docks before the storm comes in. Aye, we'll have to find a way to make the ship a little more defensible, I think, but glasses can surely help with that. And I think that- And he pauses. His eyes go wide with shock, and very quietly he says, Ah, shite. What? What's- Can I roll 
perception, investigation, something to figure out what's going on? Yeah, sure. Go ahead and do perception for me. I don't like that you said it like that. <laughs> Nat 20. Too many fucking plot relevant Nat 20s this episode. People are definitely going to say that we're fudging these. <laughs> You follow the captain's line of sight, and he is looking out into the harbor where all of these ships are coming in to brace themselves against whatever storm is getting ready to roll in on Pearlport. You see several multi-decked, multi-masted sailing ships rolling in, all of them pretty similar in build, and all of them flying from the mast a blue flag with a white oyster with a pearl inside it and two cross swords underneath. So they're all flying fleet colors. Fee looks at the captain, confused, and goes, What's wrong? Those are all fleet ships. Did you call for reinforcements? He shakes his head. They're all fleet ships. They're all the ones we lost. Begs the question, who's sailing them? And then the screams start. From down the docks, you hear the sounds of violence and carnage breaking out. And now that you're getting a closer look at these ships that are all sailing in and tying themselves to the docks, you see scores of Australian sailors hopping off the gangplanks, swords drawn, and wreaking absolute havoc. Shit. The captain unsheathes his cutlass immediately and turns around back to the rest of you and shouts, No time for plan and countermeasures. She's made her move. And then he whips back around to look at you and Leo. You two, take the kids back up to the Citadel now. Fee frowns at him and she goes, I'm not just gonna... They're after you, Fee. And someone's gonna warn the Conclave. I... <sighs> Fee's gonna gather up glasses and Lorelai and you... You pulls her arm out of your grip very sharply and spins around to look at the captain and goes, I'm not just leaving you. Sabine flicks her wrist so that a ball of fire appears in her hand, nods over at you and goes, You absolutely are. Go. It is too dangerous for you to be down here. And then she looks over at you, Fee. Just go. We'll follow you. We'll be there as soon as we can. I'm going to shove glasses in Leo's direction, get Lorelai by the elbow. You're left standing there with Lorelai, watching the madness close in on the captain and Sabine. They run several yards away down the docks, and the captain just effortlessly cuts down the first sailor that comes at him. No contest. He and Sabine pivot in a weird way. You've noticed that their respective combat styles typically revolve around them getting distance from people. The captain, so he can have advantage to kind of use his swashbuckling skills, and Sabine, so she can stay out of the fray. But they go directly back to back in a way that they are covering each other's flank 100%. You see the captain stab another sailor, and Sabine covers him on his other side and shoots a fireball at another one. She throws her head back and laughs and looks over her shoulder at the captain. <laughs> you know, you're unbearably handsome when you stab people like that. And the captain laughs back. Lass, would you behave? And Sabine smirks and goes, never, and shoots another fireball. Fee is going to yell down the docks. If either of you dies here, I'm bringing you back just to yell at you. 
and then she's going to grab Lorelai and run. The last thing you hear as you run off is both of them laughing and the captain's voice bouncing off the stone. How many did you count, lass? Sabine replies, uh, 25, last time I had a second. The captain laughs again. Ah, this won't take any time at all. And as Defiance's ultimatum becomes reality and the sack of Pearlport begins, you, your brother, and all of your young charges disappear into Pearlport, making your way to the Citadel. And that's where we're going to end for this week. Oh no, oh no, oh no. Things are about to get really bad. But we'll see that next time. On Compelled Duel. Hey everybody, Barry here with the postscript, just clearing up a couple housekeeping things here at the end of the episode. As always, you can find us on social media. We are on Twitter, Tumblr, and TikTok, Acapelled Duel. You can also find us on TikTok, Acapelled Duel Audios, where we post audio snippets from the show. We host a weekly Q&A stream on our YouTube channel, so we'd love to have you come out and hang out for that while we answer questions every week about the latest episode. If you subscribe to us on YouTube, you'll never miss a notification for that. If you're interested in supporting the podcast, we ask that you consider heading on over to patreon.com slash compelled duel, where starting at just $2 a month, you can get access to all kinds of cool things like early access to episodes, bonus episodes, special Spotify playlists, all kinds of cool stuff, even letters from your favorite character every month. If you're interested in supporting the podcast in ways other than pledging to the Patreon, if you are listening to us on Apple Podcasts, we would really appreciate it if you would give us a rating and a review, since that helps get the show promoted to a wider audience. And as always, word of mouth advertising is the most powerful tool we have at our disposal, so if you like the show, just tell a couple friends about it, and if they like it, ask them to tell a couple friends as well. Episode 16 will be going live on Friday, September 26th, 2021, or if you are a member of our Patreon, you will get access to that on Thursday, September 25th. Boy howdy, next week's gonna be a good one. See you then.